Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. This show is designed to help small business owners, salespeople, and aspiring entrepreneurs master every aspect of business success. We've got a great lineup of guests and topics scheduled for you. We'll be talking about everything from sales to employee issues, from technology to social media, from work-life balance to exploring uncharted territory. Participation is welcome and encouraged. Your host, Diane Helbig, is a world-class author, speaker, and business development coach. Be sure to check out her latest book, Lemonade Stand Selling, on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. And now, on with the show. Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, wherever you are today. I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, And as we said, we welcome input. So if you are online with us, feel free to enter something into the chat room. And if you're on the phone with us, you can press 1, and that will let me know you've got something to say. I have to say today I am so thrilled to welcome Jim, Mr. Energy Smith, Jr., to the show. I can sum him up in one quick statement, which is, he's nonstop energy. He's all about commitment, responsibility, and accountability. And he embodies his tagline, no excuses, just performance, which for those of you who know me know I love that kind of thing. Jim works with his clients to provide breakthroughs to superior results in the areas of global leadership, high-impact presentations and facilitation skills, diversity, personal empowerment, and professional trainer development. He's the author of From Average to Awesome and Crash and Learn, which was featured at the 2010 Thought Leader Summit at Sundance. And he's also a co-author of the leadership book, The Masters of Success. He just got back from a trip. He travels all over the world talking with people about all of these subjects and just got back from a trip to Malaysia. And Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, Diane. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. It's so great to have you join us today. It is great to be here. In in your opening, you said good afternoon, good morning, whatever. And I'm thinking last week it was 1 a.m. in Malaysia at this this time. So I'm going to say good morning. So I'm still getting used to the uh, jet lag, turn the clock around, because just last week, actually just two days ago, this, it would be one in the morning where I was. How long did it take to get back? How much time do we have? On <laughs> All right, real, real quick, real quick, I, I started out at a, gosh, on Friday evening at 8 p.m., flew 90 minutes from Kuching to Kuala Lumpur, Layover for two hours, flew from Kuala Lumpur to Paris, and that was a 13-and-a-half-hour flight. Oh, my God. And then finally, after a five-hour layover in Paris, I flew the final eight hours from Paris to Philadelphia, getting home Saturday afternoon around 3, 4 o'clock. Oh, my goodness. And got home, and my wife said, honey, do this, honey, do that, honey, do this, honey, do that, honey, do this. It was honey-do's. It was no rest for the weary. Put the brother to work right away. Because she held on to all those things while you were gone, right? She's building the list. I'm like, feel sorry for me. I've been traveling, baby. Can I rest? Oh, now, come on. I know you loved it because we were talking about that a couple minutes ago. Absolutely. Yeah, wonderful. So one of the things... I'm so glad we're talking about customer service today because, you know, all of us who do leadership training and and consulting and coaching and everything, we know how incredibly important um, good customer service is, and we know that it can either really help you keep your clients or can be the reason why clients leave. You can have a great product, you know, great service, but if the customer service stinks, you know, they're they're on their way out the door. So can you share with us, you know, I guess what gets in the way of exemplary service? Why don't people provide it? A couple areas for me. I, I think one is people don't have the appropriate mindset to provide service. I believe anything in life, especially from a positive standpoint, you have to have the appropriate mindset. And you have quite a few people in jobs, quite a few people running their own companies, small business owners, and so forth. They view the service aspect as a job. 
And it's far more than a job. It's a way of life. And I think what gets in the way, people not liking what they're doing, people thinking that it's cumbersome or, or it's too much, people who aren't used to going the extra step or taking their time to read the extra long email, which can get you extra results. And we're just moving so quickly that, you know, we're we're just losing sight of the basics. And like you said in the opening, um, service can mean the difference between a relationship, a partnership, or an event. And I don't like events because events are you, you're in, you're out. I like partnerships right. and relationships, something that's going to last for a long time. Well, and that's such a great point because, you know, sales and, and business is all about relationship building. And, and I know I've said to people, how I, when I do, you know, speeches and stuff, and I'll have people raise their hand, I'll say, you know, how many want to be um, in business for only the next two years? Yeah. You know, and nobody raises their hand. It's like, no kidding. You know, okay, so there are things that you have to do to keep building those relationships and actually make it easier on yourself. It's, it's interesting you said, um, you know, you were talking about appropriate mindset and people not wanting to go the extra step. I don't think they realize that taking that extra step now actually helps them make their life easier down the road. I totally agree. It, it's I really totally agree. so so. <laughs> Come on, not on. to throw you a hardball question, but let's, how do people change their mindset? You know, I mean, how do you do that? How do you get from the from a, the wrong mindset to the right mindset? For me, I think it's with folks. It's it's how what they believe in themselves, or if they believe in themselves, um, the appropriate spirit. Are they happy? Are they going through entrepreneurship or going through a job, or are they growing through a job? And, and I believe having to uh, surround yourself with like-minded people who speak service, who speak commitment, who speak responsibility, it tends to rub off. So I would ask the folks who aren't providing the appropriate mindset, you know, who do they spend time with? Right. Who, who are their colleagues? Who are their relationships? Are there people who are in challenging situations like them? Or are there people who view this global recession? Actually, they don't even know it's a global recession because they don't listen to the news. It's business as usual for them. They have not been brainwashed about the economy, so they're not focusing on the monies that aren't coming. They're focusing on opportunities. Right. So their mindset is chasing opportunities, not, oh, my gosh, they're not calling me anymore. It could yeah. be could be who else can I get to call or where else can I call on people that I haven't called on before because this opportunity right now is giving me opportunity to learn what I call grow some stretch marks. I love stretch marks because they suggest <laughs> I am growing, I'm getting better, I'm more creative, and I'm not using that tired uh, colloquial saying, I think outside the box. I hate it. <laughs> think outside the box, perform outside the box, live outside the box. Don't just think. That's passive. So for the ah. people who don't have the appropriate mindset, it's because they're one day at a time. It's because they're not into the future thinking about being proactive to serve their clients. It's every single day. It's a challenge. It's I don't have to do that. It's it's coming up with time to fix it on the back end rather than having the time up front to make sure it doesn't need to be fixed. But doesn't you, it take so much more? I'm sorry, but it doesn't take so much more time to fix it uh, and money absolutely. to fix it on the back end. Yes, yes. As someone who travels around the world, that like I do, I I deal with a lot of service providers, from flight attendants, from hotel staff, restaurant, uh, taxi cab. I, I deal with people who provide service every single day, and I would say. 25 to 30% of the folks I deal with on a consistent basis uh, blow me away with their service. Really? See, I, I become the angry guy because I call them on it. I say, hey, ha <laughs> <laughs> Yo, dude, hey, ha I've been standing here for a while. You want to help me? And then I get the look, oh, here we go, one of those types of people. I just want you to see, what, I don't want you to do what you're supposed to do. My my assistant, Bobby, uh, phenomenal. Uh, quite a few people will send me emails or voicemails saying how spectacular she was. And it, it's, 
it makes me wonder what type of service are they getting from other people? Right. Good point. They are singing her praises. And Bobby says, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. Make the client happy. Make the customer happy. Overwhelm them with service. And I think as small business owners and as entrepreneurs in general, that certainly can give us the leg up on folks. Well, it's so, you know, what's so funny is with, with this, you know, all this going on in the economy, and you're absolutely right, I'm with you 100% about, you know, the, the people who are succeeding are the ones who aren't paying attention to it, who are looking at what's going on in my business right now, where are my opportunities, what, you know, what's happening. And when I'm out there and I'm talking to people, I'm saying to them, now is the time for small business to rise to the and really grab the market because it's there to be grabbed and all you have to do is take care of people yeah. you know care about your your needs will be met when you're out there solving other people's problems and taking care of them and helping them through what they're seeing as a really difficult time and you build the loyalty it's it's huge it's one of those things that is so obvious that i'm surprised that people Yep. Don't do it. It's it's yep. a no brainer in basketball. It's a layup. Yep, <laughs> a exactly. Layup. <laughs> exactly. And they make their lives so hard and they work so hard when all they have to do is, you know, give a little. Yeah. There used to be a song about that, wasn't there? Where... <laughs> yeah, okay. When, when I'm out at networking events or, you know, places where business owners are talking or entrepreneurs are talking and and, and I hear people talk about the economy and and I know they're in the same line of business as I am, I'll go, yes, yes. They're no longer competition. They're, <laughs> they have taken themselves out of the game. I don't oh, have to worry about her. Right. I don't. Right. I don't. And I'll come over and say, yeah, isn't it bad? It's awful. <laughs> what are you going to do? You know? I, I know organizations are looking to hire full-time folks now because right. couldn't make it. <laughs> you need to go get a job. <laughs> Isn't that great? You're so right about that. Are you pursuing your passion or a paycheck? Is it a job or is it joy? Service is is a way of life. That's so true. So, so, you know, that sort of begs the question, do you think that people can learn how to do it? Well, my mentor, Mike Jones, uh, introduced me to a saying that I think applies across the board. And you might have heard it in the past relative to the chicken or the egg, but he he asked the question, with regard to anything in life, are you interested or are you committed? And your results will determine whether there was interest or if you were committed. I'll give you an example. The book From Average to Awesome, when I wrote it, I think for the first year and a half to two years, I was I was interested in writing a book. I was interested because all I did was tell people I was writing a book. Uh, when I flew, I told my seatmate, hey, my name is Jim Smith Jr., Mr. Energy, I'm writing a book. When I started my sessions, whether it was diversity, leadership, customer service, hi, I'm Jim Smith Jr., and you guys need to know I'm writing a book. Uh, I remember telling my daughter when she went to school, tell your classmates your father's writing a book, where all I did was talk about it. That's interest. It wasn't until I, four pages a day, where I, one day I was a grammarian, one day I was was a you know, creative writer, where I switch hats every single day in my writing, the book I'd done in nine months. Commitment. So with regard to providing exemplary service, I asked the question, folks, are you interested in providing good service, or are you committed? And if you yeah. committed, that means you're going to do what a lot of people don't do. You're going to follow up with the phone call like you said you were. You're going to send the additional email. You are going to fly there on your own dime for a dog and pony show or to introduce yourself to the client because you know by doing that, it could result in you getting additional work. Right. Serving the client, serving the customer. It's a way of life. Wow, that's really, it's so funny you're saying that, and I'm thinking about people I know who are interested but not committed. Yep, I'm not going to do that. Are you crazy? Right. I don't even have the job yet. I'm I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, stay at home, Sammy. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, when we talk about 
customer service, you know, and, and I know for small business owners, some of us, you know, are a company of one, but it always seems like for, for these sorts of visions and ideas, they start at the top and they work their way down. Like the top has to be committed Absolutely. to the belief system and has to live it every day and talk about it every day and share it. So, you know, how much of a role really does leadership play in customer service? Well, you, you just nailed it. You nailed it. It's it's immense. I work with a lot of organizations, and I go in, I do customer service training and train the trainers. And if leadership is not only committed in writing and committed verbally, they have to be committed in deed. They have to be yeah. committed in performance, which means holding people accountable. I love it. And if there is not an accountability system there, the people are going to say, hmm, this is nothing but words. It's nothing but a vision statement that's on a plaque but not in our hearts, not the way right. we want to live our life. And it also means holding star performers accountable because star performers oftentimes are some of the major culprits. They're great at what they do, but when it comes to making sure their room is clean, when it comes to making sure they're attending meetings on time and turning in staff reports on time and all status reports, you know, sometimes they're the ones who want their performance to speak for itself. Right. And if we're not holding them accountable. So to your point, leadership is huge, not only holding people accountable, but also creating an empowering environment where people will take a chance, will, will risk, uh, will take a risk because – they want to provide service, exemplary service, and not wonder, I wonder if I'm going to get in trouble, or I wonder what the leader is going to say, or I wonder they're willing to go out there to do what they think is necessary in the moment to provide that exemplary service. So it's huge. Leadership drives it, and everyone else lives it. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of the Ritz-Carlton you know, stories that, that you hear about how they empower everybody to decision-make. Yeah. Because they don't want, you know, because they want the customer's needs met. And so, you know, they're, they're, because, you know, you have people, I, I think small business owners who would say, boy, that's awfully risky, you know, and I could be risking my whole business on it. Well, why'd you hire these people? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, so you, and you have to think when you're hiring people that you're hiring, you know, they always say, you hire for attitude, you train for task. Yeah. Right? Because you can I train agree. people to do anything. I mean, that stuff for maybe things highly technical, but. It's the attitude that you need because if they've got the best attitude, they'll want to learn it. And they'll live it. Yep. And they'll live it. So we we as leaders, uh, we set the stage. We create the vision and then we live it. And if we're modeling what we're saying, and, and these are common thoughts, but they're not common practices because there are a lot of leaders who um, I like to say what's in the window is not what's in the store. <laughs> That's great. You'll see the oh they look nice. Let me get to know them. Ooh <laughs> It's smelly up in here. <laughs> They're not living the way they profess we should live. Right. And the challenges that have that I have had with uh some clients is you know, people the the participants who went through the training saying it's not going to make a difference. This is the way it is anyway. Yeah. They're not they're not they're not. And that's their mindset about leadership. They said there's not going to be a follow up. We're going to go through the training, it's yeah. going to be nice, you're going to do a great job, but there's not going to be a follow up component on the back end. There's not going to be a sustainability component on the back end. And I would say fifty percent of the time they're right. It truly and that see that's so funny because that was going to be one of my questions that when you go into a a business and the customer service is less than exemplary it really points to the lack of leadership not necessarily the people who you aren't getting good customer service from it it's it's the guys at the top who aren't building an an you know a culture of yeah, customer the, service you you nailed it it's a culture it's not a day or a customer service week or we're going to go through training it's yeah. a culture i just got back from malaysia kuching the culture there is of everybody from taxi cab driver to hotel 
to the people on the staff, to the people serving the food, cleaning up the other trainers that were there. The culture was incredible. It, it, it's it's the they just said it's the way we do things. Isn't that interesting? It's the way we do things. So building wow. that internal culture is one where people would say, well, people, you know, when I when I work with them, and I say, do you guys have a tagline or a way to answer the phone? That's corny. We don't do that. I just want to get straight to the business. Well, if it's a culture that says we make our customers want to come back, then you're going to do and you're going to say whatever that culture says to right. maintain that that environment, that spirit, that culture. I tell the folks on my team, and our company is called Gympath. I say, after every conversation, I want the person you just talked to to feel as he or she, as though he or she was gympacted and want some more. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, who did you gympack today? I don't want people to. <laughs> I just got finished talking to that gympacked organization. You know? No, I was like, oh my gosh, have you talked to those people? <laughs> have you talked to them? Just, 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 just call them up, listen to their voicemail. I mean, they are. Also, they're crazy. They just want to provide service. They want to take care of the customers. They, they want the business. Right. They want the business. Exactly. See, I don't think people. I really think people think that as long as the product is good, you know, that's all they really have to do. No. If I could start my company over again, I would do it totally opposite. When I started the company, I wanted I focused primarily on being an incredible speaker, facilitator, trainer, where bar none, no one could match me. I wanted to be the best. Over time, I realized that you can be a sensational trainer, speaker, facilitator, but if people don't know about you, they won't yeah. know to bring you in. So if I had a chance to do it all over again, I would have started operationally. I would have worked on the operations, the behind the scenes, to make sure the business plan, the marketing plan, the, the culture, the customer service strategy, the service recovery strategy, if we had all that was in place, as well as developing products, and then simultaneously with the product development, fine-tune, you know, yes. cut my teeth on being a better speaker, trainer, facilitator, consultant. Right. Because you have the foundation. Yeah, those are the bricks. Right. Those are the bricks. Yeah. I asked my, cl- no, my clients, I asked my, my colleagues and friends, I said, do you ever send a uh, a survey out to your your customers asking them, what do they think of you? <laughs> what do they say? No, I don't want to know. D- don't have the time. <laughs> don't have the time. Oh, really? Don't have the time. Uh, I got good evaluations from the participants. I said, but that's in the classroom. That's you know, one-on-one, what about what went into getting the job? Um, how quickly were you in turning contracts around and following phone calls and sending the product out or sending materials out? Right. That's part of this. How accessible were you? Yeah. All of that is service people. One, Diane, when I travel to go do a session the night before, whatever time I get in, first thing I do is call the client. They want to know that I made it. Yep. They want to know that I landed, and yep. then they can, they can sleep well. Okay, he's here. Well, then he'll be there tomorrow. Not, oh, my gosh, did his flight get in and not knowing until the next morning. That's service, something small like that. Absolutely, something small like that, and it seems, you know, maybe people take it for granted. You know, maybe they think, oh, they'll know, and you have to put yourself in the other person's shoes and think, okay, what do they know? Yeah. And and what would make keep them calm, keep them happy it's communicating i mean you know a lot of what we're talking about is the commu- communicating effectively and communicating defined is not what i send is what you receive exactly oh thank you so much for saying that so what you get how many times saying have you sent an email and you're wondering did the person get it yep uh, they assume okay i got it there wasn't really anything in there for me to respond to, so whatever, rather than let me let Diane know that I received right. it, I got it, and I'm okay with what we're small, something small like that. Yeah, and it's so easy. And that's what's so funny about this whole thing. It's not like we're talking about anything complicated. I mean, in a minute, in a minute I want you to um, share with us some actual practices so that, you mm-hmm. know, there, there's something concrete. But, but 
we're not talking about anything complicated or anything difficult to do. It's a decision. It's a decision. It's empowerment. It's commitment. It's communication. And it's courage. If we want to go through the seas, <laughs> courage, commitment, communication, culture, uh, charisma, competency, all these seas play an enormous role and in common, common, common behavior. So, so I, let's talk about courage for a minute. Expand on that a little, if you would. I'll give you an example of something that happened um, recently. Well, actually, I learned about it recently, but it happened last year. I was working with an organization doing customer service training for them, and one of the uh, groups I worked with were their ushers, ushers who seated people, who gave programs and so forth, and we were talking about, is the customer always right? Is the customer always right? And I think everything I've read for the most part says the customer is always right. I had a participant stand up and say, Jim, prior to what happened to me two weeks ago, I would say, you're right. But based on what happened to me, I, I can't say the customer is right. I said, well, let me know what happened. You know, the camera's out here. Let's let's hear it. And as she started talking, recounting what happened, tears started coming down her eyes. I'm like, okay, what happened? She went on to say that she was working one night, and one of the patrons came up to her and asked her where the bathroom was. Uh, She walked him halfway down and pointed and said, that's where it is right there. Please, please, there it is. So she went back to the door, and I'd say within five minutes, the man came back, frothing at the mouth. I mean, he was angry. And she said, sir, what's wrong? He said, I can't believe a place like this does not have paper towels to wash your hands. This is unbelievable. Make sure this doesn't happen again. And he took his hands and wiped his hands on her face. Oh, my goodness. What'd she do? Okay. <laughs> I know what I would have done. <laughs> and it wouldn't have took courage to do that. <laughs> she she immediately got on the walkie-talkie and called her supervisor to let him know what happened because he's on duty as well. He came down and asked her, where was he? Seated. And he was seated in a location, very good seats that usually are occupied by donors, people who okay. contribute greatly to the uh, the theater. The uh, supervisor got security, and they went down and uh, escorted him off the property, told him he wasn't welcome back. Wow. That's courage because... That is courage. If, oh. in fact, if, in fact, that was a donor who contributes thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, yep. you just lost a lot of money. No during a time where the economy is what it is. But leadership said, our people come first. Yeah. Our people, if they feel empowered and if they feel taken care of, they're going to take care of you. Right. And if he had not done that, that usher, probably if if she did not quit, she would have made everyone else privy to what happened and how leadership did not stand up and support her. So courage to me sometimes is it's not going next level. It's it's exceeding levels that have not been created. Right. It's doing the impossible. It's it's doing the unreasonable. It's making your footprint, not waiting for others to make it first. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Thank you so much for that. That is, that is a great example of how – it's also a great example of how leadership plays a role in customer service because their behavior makes her better at what she does and yeah. makes it possible for her to provide good customer service because they've got her back. Creating that environment. Absolutely. Creating that environment where people truly believe that even if they took a risk – and it did not come to fruition, 
management would say, walk me through, talk me through, what were you thinking? Right. All right, Barry, keep, keep it up. Now we know what not to do, but you made the attempt. You had the customer's best interest at heart. Right. And you're, you're getting more business for us. Exactly. Yeah, it almost seems like in some organizations the ownership doesn't necessarily trust their people yes. to, in a lot of ways, but one of them is to do the right thing. Yeah. So that then when they do something, the instinct is to say, you know, why did you do that instead of what you just said, walk me through it. Yeah, what walk happened. me through it. It's, yeah. it's the whole control piece. Right. A lot of leaders want to they want the control of course we all have the ego we want to be control but it's the micromanaging it's the we want to know everything that happens and we want to make the decision rather than have you make it because we want to continue to run things and we want to take responsibility for whatever whatever happens not create an opportunity for you to be personally accountable and responsible right right and they screw themselves when they do it i think they do yeah because people don't grow right and, I and and I don't think they're ever really committed uh, completely to the no. organization because you're not letting them be. You know, you've been around situations, whether entrepreneurially or working full-time, you know what commitment looks like. Uh-huh. And you know what it doesn't look like. So for me, <laughs> I'm in for working in one organization. Nine o'clock, people were walking in slow motion to the front door to come to work. <laughs> They look like the, uh, the gosh, the, the the people in the, the thriller video, you right. know, just looking like death on a stick. But at five o'clock, when it was over, <laughs> can you say Usain Bolt? Can you say Olympic? Um, did we get an echo here? I don't know. Something just happened. Okay. I'm okay. Are you are you hearing an echo? Slightly, but do you hear me okay? Sort of. You're sort of coming in and out. All right. Well, I'll well there keep... you go. There you go. But they, they're running to their cars to get home. And to me, yes, you have other things to do outside of work, but a level of commitment suggests I make sure I finish everything thoroughly and position myself to do extremely well the next day rather than say, oh, 5 o'clock, time to get out of here. Exactly. So that's that's the commitment that I, I like and the courage that I like to see um, illustrated each and every day. Yes, yes, thanks. I mean, th- those are great. So let's talk about some practices yeah. of exemplary customer service, you know, so that our listeners can, you know, if there are concrete things maybe they're not thinking about that that can help them. Well, Achieve what, better. What I suggest is that when you're considering building a customer service model or building a customer service culture, you want to define what exemplary behavior looks like. Uh, you want to begin with the end in mind. So the customer is finished working with you in some capacity. What did you do? What did you say? What were the practices? And to list exactly what you want to. You're building competencies and you're also building behaviors. So, for instance, if you say you want people to be responsible, you define responsible, and then you give behaviors for what responsible looks like in that particular job because it may change from job to job. And as you're building those behaviors, I I say come up with examples of three ways to rank those behaviors. One would be, the letter M, someone who meets the mark. So what would meet the mark behavior look like? The other would be, misses the mark. So if the person is not doing exceedingly well, what does misses the mark from a responsibility look like? And then the final M is, masters the mark. So if I consider the behavior or the competency is responsibility, then we define what that looks like behaviorally, then we put it in the category. So does it master, does it meet, or does it miss the mark? And then every year, you get rid of the miss, bring on a new miss, take the master, I'm sorry, you just keep 
increasing the challenge. So what was a mat, what was a meets the mark is now perhaps a misses the mark. What was you want masters to be even more. You want to push and accelerate the level of behavior. Got it. So you're building behaviors accordingly relative to what does that look like in the job, coming up with behavioral examples, and then ranking those examples from misses, meets, to masters. Interesting. And you're helping, you're getting the people in the job to work with management to build the competencies and behaviors. Ah, that was going to be one of my questions. Okay. Because oftentimes management will create the competencies and create the behaviors, and, well, sometimes managers aren't in the trenches. Yeah. So what might seem basic to them, employees may look at it differently. So getting them to build it. What I do, I meet with the the, uh, senior leaders, and then I meet with the people in the, the job, and I build competency, behavioral competency models for that task, but I have leadership build one, and I have the folks in the job build it to see how dissimilar or how common they are, to see where we're off track. Oh, wow, that's good. Because managers see it from a higher level. Right. So they're looking down. People are in the trenches, so where can we meet? Because, of course, the folks who are in the job may not be as strategic or looking at it from a strategic standpoint. They're looking at it tunnel vision day in and day out. Well, management who are looking at it from a strategic standpoint may miss something that's in the day in, day out, the communication, because they may say, I'm super busy. I can't get to them right away. And people in the job may say, well, I need you to get back to me within 24 hours because they have a client on hold. And just so how do we look at the response time? Right. And then if we're working globally and you have people in Germany or in the UK or Amsterdam and we have different time frames, mm-hmm. what's a a good win-win time frame? And we can't always be American-centric where it's on the best American time. <laughs> and that, that, no, typically, really? <laughs> that typically is the case. So we're building behaviors. We're building competencies. We're building them together and if you want to get a feel for how others are impacted by the behaviors, you bring in your clients and your customers to talk to them about what does exemplary customer service look like to them, what does it feel like to them, how do they know when they get it, and so forth. So everyone, in essence, plays a role in building the paradigm or building the model that you're going to use each and every day. And then you build accountability factors to say, how are we going to measure how effective we are on a daily basis, on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis? It's nonstop until it becomes a way of life. And so, I was just going to ask you about that. So, and, and, And it really is a living, breathing you know, possibly changing kind of thing. I believe I believe so. I I know I want it in my organization. I know I want to feel it when I go to other organizations or right. I go to restaurants or if I travel, I fly. Why do I have to fly first class to get first class service? Yeah, that's a good question. I want to be in coach and think it's first class. Yeah. That's awesome service. And I believe that the people who are serving in those capacities, something tells me when they're in first class, they bring a first class mindset. When they're in coach, they're thinking, okay, I'm serving the folks in coach. Right. So they embody (laughs) the the attitude based on where they're serving. I want to close my eyes and be on the back seat, the last seat on the plane, and feel like I'm in first class. And, you know, well, let me ask you a question about that because that's an interesting thing. How does that impact the decisions that customers make? Well, as the 
recipient, <laughs> and I, I bring this up because it just happened to me, flying back from uh, Malaysia, the first two legs I flew first class. And long flights seem to take <laughs> half the time. Oh. That that last eight-hour leg back, I was like, oh, my gosh, my back's hurting, my legs hurting. <laughs> Coach. <laughs> but the, the people who were serving uh, did not use my name. And of course, the first class, they know your name. However, they every every flight attendant, you can look at the list and see who's right. who and in what seat they're sitting in. Um, the person who was serving or the people who were serving, they seemed like they were frustrated. Um, here, you know, here's your napkin rather than, you know, here's your napkin. So the tone, the language. Right. And when you if, – if I'm in coach and I'm getting Mr. Smith, thank you. Would you like some more cran grape, cran apple? Here's your nuts and here's an extra – Pack of nuts. I slipped you an extra thing without them. I mean, those are the things that I'm. Wow, I'm flying them again. I'm flying. I'm coming back. Right. I'm coming back. And I tell you, Malaysian Air. I'm coming back. <laughs> I'm so coming back. Those seats that go all the way back and turn into a bed. Oh, I was digging that out loud. This is so cool. <laughs> this is so. Now my seat doesn't have to go way back from flying and coach. But your attention to detail, your language, right. your communication, your service energy right. plays a key role on whether I want to fly that that airline again. Well, it's funny because you're talking about this, and the airline that's coming to my mind that has always been my favorite is Southwest. Yes, love Even it. Even though you have no seat assignment, you, know, you have to get love there it. early and get that little card, but they really seem to be enjoying what they're doing. Love it. Which makes me enjoy being on that airplane. And I can't wait for the flight attendant to get on the mic. Because I know he right. or she gonna say they're gonna say something other than please take your seat. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly right. It's an experience. What you just said is key. With customer service creating an experience. Yeah. Where people don't want to leave. When I do my training, part of my opener I, I, I tell them I said, I will know if I've done a superior job. If by the end of this session, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, whatever it is, you are not doing the BlackBerry check and you're not rushing out. Right. By 5 o'clock, if you are in your seat singing, we want more, we want more, I know I've done a superior job. Exactly. So that's creating experiences every single day. And, you know, the thing that I think um, small business owners miss because they have tunnel vision is, the referrals that you get from really happy clients. It's not just the satisfied ones. It's the really happy ones. The story I told you a few minutes ago about the usher who had the bad experience, Mm -hmm. I got that contract by a referral. Another company gave that company my name based on the work I did with them, and that was a nine-month customer service wow. program, take 500 people through training and needs assessment and management, another course on how the managers are going to maintain the momentum. Oh, oh that was, yeah. That, that made for a nice Christmas. Boy, no good. kidding. That's good. But like you said, the referral, the experience, the referral. And I think small business owners, we wear so many hats. Right. We're the marketer. We're the salesperson. We're doing fulfillment. We're product development. We're designing. We're training. We're we're calling on people. We're, we wear so many hats, sometimes we lose sight of the things that are right in front of us. Exactly. And, and that's, that's the service. Exactly. We need to step outside of it and keep an eye on that because I think that's what sustains us. I, I think if we... If we had the Diane mindset around creating an experience, right? You know, when, when you first—I say first because it, it tends to wane after a while—but when you first start dating, you want to create experience every time. You want a great yeah. dinner, a great picnic. You want to create a great right. uh, vacation where you're always, "What can I do now? What can I do now? How else can I make her smile? How else can I make him smile? How can yeah. I blow them away? How can I surprise them?" 
And then over a period of time, <laughs> we stop holding hands. Right, you get married. <laughs> yeah, get on my nerves. You know, you're going to continue to chew that way. But, but we we lose sight of wanting to create that experience. Right. Now, we're not going to stay married to our clients for 5, 10, 15, 20 years in most cases. Right. So for the six months, for the nine months, for the two years, if we can make every experience worthwhile, They'll keep calling you back. You become invaluable. You become a strategic partner. Oftentimes, we don't talk to our clients until we have the contract. Are we sending them newspaper clippings? Are we sending them emails? Are we telling them what websites to go to? Are we finding current events and emailing them and saying, check this out. This is what's happening in your industry. Are we servicing them when they're not calling on us? Right. It's such a great point, showing them that they matter, even when you're not in the relationship with them. Hello. Uh, you know. It's, it's easy to give me love when I'm around. It's easy right. to give me love when I'm paying you. Right. So give me some love when we haven't talked for a month or two. Exactly. Because if I use this other vendor, because right now my budget said that's all I could afford, but you're sending me information yeah. anyway that yeah. says when you're ready to come again, I'm here. Right. Wow. So it's looking for ways to create that experience, and yeah. then on the back end, looking for looking for ways to reinforce, to reward, to reevaluate the current behavior, so that we can continue to stay top of the line. So. Let me ask you a question about if if you had a if you had a small business owner, they had a staff and they and they brought you in and you did what you do where you talked to the management and you talked to the staff and you identified a situation like the one you mentioned where the staff was saying, you know, you'll be great, but this has no legs. You know, this, yeah. this isn't going to. What do you say to the business owner to get the light bulb to go off? I actually ask a question. The same question to, well, it's similar, but I asked the question to the business owner and I asked the question of the people who are saying that it's not going to work. And the question I asked to the the folks who are saying it's not going to work, I asked them, what does it working look like? Oh, yeah, great. Because I want them to not just go to judgmental place and say it's not going to happen if they don't have a vision for success. Right. And once they give me their vision for success, if they do have one, I then ask them, what can leadership do to make sure that happens? And what can you do to make sure that happens? Because I want them to think and believe they have some skin in the game, not just what management right. do, what leaders and pointing the blame. And then I go to um, management and I ask them, you know, what does success look like? You know, what does utopia, what's your vision? And how close are we to making that come to fruition? And then I ask them the question, what can they do? What do they want the staff to do? And I go back and ask them the, the final question, which is, you know, not the, not the question, the statement. I say I, I've talked to folks in the trenches. I've talked to folks in the job, and they don't believe it's going to work. They believe this is just uh, workshop du jour. Flavor of the month, been there, right. done that, got the shot glass hat and T-shirt to refrigerator magnet to prove it. You know, well, we have some bad uh, – we're going to blame. Don't go to yeah. blame. People's perceptions are their reality. So what? why might they be saying that? So then we brainstorm some, some reasons why that may be the case, and I ask them, how true is it? Can you give me some examples? I can offer you some examples based on the focus groups that I've seen. Well, we need them to think more strategic. Here we go to the blame again. Right. So ultimately it gets back to me having a conversation with them about driving this and being accountable and responsible for its outcome. And can we build a feedback contract where if I don't think we're doing it, I can offer some candid, transparent feedback. I think that must be key. 
Some say yes, some say, well, we'll, well, we'll see how it goes. And again, that goes to control, that goes to insecurity. You know, if you're going to do this, this has to be a way of life for you, for them, for everybody. And I find that as a, as a customer, the places that are more top-notch, they hold people more accountable. I, I went to the, uh, gosh, what is it, Broadmoor. Is in Colorado Springs doing some work there for a client, two-day train-a-trainer. And it's one of those pretty, pretty nice getaway places. It's a hotel on steroids. It, it's a resort. It's beautiful. I, I went to work out one morning, 6 o'clock. I went downstairs, asked the guy at the front, front desk, can you tell me where the workout facility is? He said, Yes, it's in the building that's right down the road. Please check with the bellman, and he'll make sure you get there. So the bellman was right in front of me. So I went to him. I said, could you tell me where the workout facility is? And he said, come with me. And he pointed. He said, it's there. So I, I said, okay. I, I took a couple steps, and inside I'm thinking, <laughs> Pointing and tell me where it is. That's right. not exemplary service. Don't point no. to where the bathroom is. You and as soon as I took my third step, he said, "Hold on, where are you going? I'm going with you. Let's go. Oh. I'm going to show you where it is." So he walked me to the facility, which was awesome. I got there, got on the exercise machine, start working out, and a person came to my machine while I was working out and said, "You want a towel?" Wow. And then she also said, here is a bottle of water, and put the water on my machine. And I thought the next thing she was going to do, get on the machine next to me and start working <laughs> out. But it was, it was awesome. You go work out and you work out people. You, know, you get your towel in the beginning if they're there. Right. You know, and then right. you use it after. But them to give you a towel while you're working out and then give you a fresh towel because that's the one you use is sweaty. So they were giving fresh towels and they water, and then when you got off the machine, the water in the machine had an apple in it. I mean, so it was apple water. <laughs> <laughs> so you got regular water than apple water. It was, and you may say, well, they charge a lot of money. They can do that. But when you start providing exemplary service, people are going to pay because they want to be taken care of. Right. You can charge more for your service because they want the best. Ah, see that—that's an interesting element. I don't think anybody really thinks about either. Well, when you get into negotiating your rates, and you know, I find myself in more negotiation conversations than ever before because of what's happening in the world. But I find myself in less conversations when people have experienced Impact, experienced me, and they—they they want total service. Right. And they're willing to pay for that. Yeah. They know that when they're going to, when they call us, that they will get a return call that day, and they'll get several calls until they connect with us. And if they don't connect, they're going to get an email. You're going to know where we stand. I believe during this entire process with getting me to come on board, I was away. I was in Malaysia and I, I was traveling. I think you had a good idea what was going on with us. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I didn't even know you were away. <laughs> I was stunned when I got when I got an email from Bobby. That, well, he just landed last time. I'm like, Malaysia, what are you talking about? You know, because you're absolutely right. She was on top of it all the time. She's pleasant. She called me today. You know, just always upbeat, positive, thanking me, you know, which I, I should be thanking her for reaching out to me. It's, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a way of life. So yep. I, I would tell my colleagues and friends and folks who fellow entrepreneurs who are listening today, make it a way of life. Um, consider this acronym, F-O-T-O. And again, my mentor, Mike Jones, gave me that one too. FOTO, in essence, it means focus on the outcome. Focus on the outcome, F-O-T-O. Okay. And when your focus is on the outcome and you are committed to that outcome, you're not going to be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, fabulous. You're not, you're not focusing on all the noise or all the people are saying, we can't do that, we can't right. do it, it's going to cost too much money, we can't empower them. Noise. Focus on the outcome. 
be consistent, be committed, model what you preach, model what you teach. Right. Wow. Really. Now, I, I, I just have to tell you how much I, this time has flown by, and I have truly enjoyed it. It's been so great, and I know that you have a boot camp going on in different cities. Um, so can you share with us what that's all about, and I'll type it into the chat room so our folks online will know about it as well. Thank you. The next one is January, January, July 21st and 22nd. It's right here in Philadelphia, PA. It's, it's a boot camp for managers for leaders, for trainers, for facilitators, for anybody who has to engage an audience, anyone who has to speak, anyone who has to motivate a class, a crowd, a sales meeting. It's a two-day workshop on how to more effectively speak, lead a group, uh, develop empowerment, and personal responsibility and accountability. The focus is on the facilitation and presentation skills, but I believe all that stuff starts with courage, commitment, leadership, personal power. Um, it's the person who gets in front of the room who's shy, insecure, uh, afraid, um, to just feeling all that nervous energy. And a lot of that comes because the person is not um, empowered, right. not not confident, not prepared. And we focus on getting you ready for that. The one after that is going to be in Houston in October. I believe it's October the 12th and 13th. And then we finish up again in Philadelphia, December 7th and 8th. But if folks want more information about the boot camps, they can go to the website. It's um, jimpack.com, J-I-M. P as in powerful, A-C-T as in terrific, jimpack.com. Cool. Wonderful. Well, I have put it out there in the chat, and I really so very much, I just thank you. This is, I'm taking furious notes, and uh, <laughs> and, and, and I what's so great is that um, I know, like, people who I can share this with and, and you know, um, even clients, you know, help them with it. That's why I was curious about the courage thing, you know, because I know people who they shy away from having certain conversations with their staff, and I think, okay, you know what, you got to have those conversations because mm. better for everybody if you have them, but that's a that's a You have to thing. have the conversation, and you also have to check the conversation you're having prior to having it to ask yourself, why am I apprehensive about Right. What is is it me? Is it them? And what's that about? Right. What am I afraid is going to happen? We say feel the fear and do it anyway. Ah, I love that. That feel is the great. Fear and do it anyway. Now because I can... that's what's going to separate you, Diane, from yep. other service providers, other small businesses. A lot of us play the same. Right. It's the small percentage that take it to. Levels yeah. people have experienced before. Exactly right. Didn't you say before that twenty-five to thirty percent of people you encounter actually have outstanding customer service? Absolutely. So in, in their, play in, in that training. field. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I was just saying, you know, people should play should should shoot to play on that end because it's it's the it's the smaller end of the pool. Play large. Play yep. live big. Live yeah. large. And people are going to say, "Man, what's wrong with you? What are you on?" And that's what you should say. You know what I'm on? I'm on purpose. <laughs> I'm I love on that. Purpose. That's right. I'm, I'm on purpose. On purpose. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's great, so great to have good mentors, good uh, colleagues, people that can help sustain you, help grow you, people that can help you when you're going through the challenging times. And, exactly. And help you turn the challenging times into opportunistic times. Right. And that's what this is. You said it earlier today during the conversation. This is a sensational time to show up big. It is so true. I mean, do it now when everyone else is trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Because, boy, I, you know, it's going to change. And you want to be on top of it now so you're riding the wave. Absolutely. Yep. You don't want to be in line with what's going on. You no. want to be in front of the line. Exactly. That is exactly right. Wow. Well, I, gosh, I mean, I literally could could do this forever, but 
Um, I know you've got a million and one things to do. And we're going to stay in touch. We're going to become Facebook friends. That's right. <laughs> and that Can't way we, see your pictures. we can continue to sharpen each other because I like being around people who are smarter than me. Uh, me too. Helps me get better. So. Me too. It's, uh, me too. So much. So, And th- I want to thank my listeners for taking the time uh, to tune in to us today. Our next show will be on July 26th when uh, Kathy Jamboy of Creative Edge Marketing is going to talk to us about the difference between social networking and social marketing. Wow. I know. I think that's going to be fascinating. It's a big topic. So everyone have a fantastic and fabulous day and week ahead. And get out there and make good things happen. I love it. I love it. All the best to everybody. You too. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.